0: Our text this morning is from the uh, the epistle reading in Philippians 2. I'm going to take you back to verse 8. <clears throat> he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is our text. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> this is... Uh, Uh, A difficult day to describe but I I was thinking that uh, one way of of looking at it is that um, well giving up life is is not a simple matter Uh, aside from it being a kind of a scary topic uh, it it isn't always what it seems to be Uh, it isn't always a good thing or a bad thing but uh, I can give you some for instance on that Even a thing like uh, suicide, which is a terrible nightmare for everyone that it touches, uh, is is not as simple and obvious as it seems. For instance, uh, you've probably seen in the movies, and I know that this happened on occasion, where someone uh, committed suicide by jumping on a grenade you know, to, to save their friends. It's, it, it, it is, in fact, a suicide, but it is for uh, a purpose that is not as simple as just wanting to die. Uh, stepping into danger is always like that to some extent because you're taking your life in your hands uh, uh, and, and very often it is uh, with the full understanding of what you're doing. Uh, some of you have had uh, to make decisions like that on occasion. But, you know, there are other things that are like this too. Uh, giving up life <clears throat> is not only physical life. Uh, many of you have been married. When you get married, your life is not the same. You gave up what you were to become uh, a, a pair, uh, to, to to become one flesh, as it turns out, if you listen to God at all, but but you're not is simply what you were. See so if you have given up something of yourself there. Uh, <clears throat> although it's not quite so obvious as I say it, uh, having children is very like that. Because right? you, you, When you have children everything that you thought was your major concern is sort of shifted. Your life is different and uh, you've given up something of yourself again to do that. So giving up life No matter how you look at it, there's a lot of different ways to see it. It's not always obvious what it's about. As it turns out, you know, when you look at this uh, letter to the Philippians, Paul has done this very thing for the Philippians. Uh, He's given up his life not in uh, in a simple sense. But see, when, when he writes this letter, he's sitting in Rome. He's under house arrest. Uh, being watched by the the emperor's guards because he's um, waiting for a hearing from the emperor as to whether he will live or die and and, uh, and and this he did not only for the Philippians but for all of the people that he ministered to uh, for Christ he gave up his life to do the work that he was doing. He was anticipating the end of his life. He explained to the Philippians that he rejoiced in caring for them, even though it was obviously expensive for him personally in the sense of his his time and his life. He rejoiced also for them because they cared for him. They were very poor, the Philippian people were, because they lived... In the place of a Roman garrison where uh, the only thing they could do was serve the Romans Uh, and they were not particularly uh, wonderful about it Uh, and they weren't particularly generous about it and so these people they were kind of overwhelmed with poverty an awful lot but even as that was true they looked after Paul better than anyone else did they 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 served him by sending him resources, by sending him helpers. Uh, They sacrificed a great deal for him. They were, in a sense, giving up their life as they gave up some of their livelihood to take care of Paul. Um, It was their desire to do so. And Paul thanked God for that. Now, I would say this also, being human beings, they weren't entirely happy about the circumstances because, you know, they were uh, a, a good distance away from where Paul was. They couldn't really go see him. They couldn't really uh, easily in their poverty go uh, as, as a church and go look after him. They did what they could. But the, the other problem they had was their, their hero, the guy who brought Jesus to them, was locked up. And and not only was he locked up, but he was facing death, and they understood that it was at least in part for his work among them. They weren't happy about any of that, but they loved Paul. So he told them of all things this strange and remarkably difficult thing, he told them to have the mind of Christ. That's what he wrote. Now, having the mind of Christ would make you smart, I guess. It'd be wise, but it wouldn't be easy. <laughs> uh, I, I would suppose if you even think about that a little bit, you know that thinking like Christ is not something you can do easily, if at all. Uh, and I would suppose they faced his words like that with some difficulty, just like we do. Because, I mean, you can see the mind of Christ that he brings up. Uh, In this ancient hymn, or whatever kind of form this poetry took, he gave up whatever he had in common with God. Uh, It says literally he emptied himself of whatever that is, and he became a man. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this, but that's a pretty healthy step down from the throne of God. If you, if you think about it even a little bit, before he even grew up to the point where he was uh, taking on his ministry, the first thing he did on this walk was to <laughs> be conceived. So I, if uh, picture this, you're God, you're the son of God, you're on the throne in heaven, everything is completely awesome, And then in another moment, because it is your father's will, you are conceived in a sinful woman, into a sinful world that is going to despise you, except he did that. And not only to become a human being, but also to become what he calls a slave or a servant at at very most. Humble before everyone, the least of human beings servant of all to ultimately die on a cross did that on purpose uh, just what you were thinking that you would like to do right because this has have the mind of christ well that's what the mind of christ does uh, anybody find that difficult I, I know i most certainly do uh, people have talked about uh, you don't hear it too much anymore, what would Jesus do? And, and the implication is, so that, so that we can try to do that, well, this is what Jesus would do. This right here, this is what Jesus would do. He would become a human being if he was God. Uh, his version of world peace, such as it is, uh, is not just waving his hand and making it all better. It is to become a human being, to suffer and to die that's what Jesus does so could you give up what little power you have Uh, generally speaking you have some power over yourself Uh, you have a will you have uh, what wisdom you have what common sense what talents just letting all of that go giving up your life so to speak to be like him, for someone else, for strangers, for enemies. Uh, Of course, you know, for your loved ones also. But on the other hand, he says you're supposed to love your enemies, which is not the easiest mind of Christ to have. Uh, Give up your life for evil people as well as the good, for for the useless stuff in the world because there's a lot of people that have little purpose in their minds or in anybody else's minds to give up your life for people that are mean and nasty for people well whatever I mean you can understand what people are uh, you are people you know who you are you know how uh, you've been treated in the world uh, do you give up your life for that because that's what Jesus did. He did that exact thing. See, the other problem is when, when we look at the way the world looks at his death, it doesn't look particularly useful either. Because, I mean, who would suppose, uh, this talks about this uh, incredible honor that his father lays upon him. Does it look like it should be a great honor to die on a criminal's cross? It doesn't look honorable at all. It doesn't look like it accomplishes anything either. I mean, here we are on this Palm Sunday, and and, and the people that were uh, escorting him into the city, they're cheering and welcoming him as the son of God. But by the end of the week, they will want him dead. Either by extracting themselves from following him or by being disappointed in him or actually being hateful about him. They would want to murder him, some of them, but at best, they would drift into the darkness because they're afraid to follow him anymore. So they go from this great parade to a cross. And he did that, he did that on purpose. It looks kind of pointless to them, which is why they withdrew. Uh, in, In great irony, there's probably more power in that than anything that's ever been done. But even still, they couldn't see it. They were disappointed in him, and they walked away. He gave up his life for that. And we might look at that and suppose that we're not like that, that we wouldn't treat Jesus like that. Well, Peter talked like that on purpose, made promises that he wouldn't do that, and he did. You understand what I mean? We are human beings. We can do nothing else but treat him like this, because that's what we are. He gave up his life for that. Now, it must be the wisdom of God that he did such a thing, though, since it is the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ did that. Uh, it, we're told that this is the mind that we're supposed to happen. it's been proven out by what he did. He, he, uh, he's the son of God. Even the people that welcomed him to Jerusalem knew that, the Christ. Also, they, they understood that he was descended of David, which is supposed to be the eternal king. Uh, There was no king on David's throne until Jesus showed up. But he's supposed to be the one that lasts forever according to the promise of God. But he dies on a cross. And they had trouble with that. But this is indeed the Lord and the king. Even by the voices of Jerusalem that you heard today, they knew that this was true. They just came to doubt it. Coming to Jerusalem like this. Uh, you might say uh, riding on a, a donkey's colt is not a war charger. It's not the king who comes to conquer. It's not a king who comes to punish, which is what they were hoping would happen. And he didn't do any of that. You'd think they would have noticed he was on a colt of a donkey, which is not exactly what they were expecting. But that's what he wrote in uh, looking like, uh, what would you say, uh, uh, a reconciling ambassador from a king who wants his people back. That they should be with him, but they are not. He comes as a servant, riding on a donkey's colt. It's not anything like a conqueror. Nothing remotely. Not like an earthly lord. He came, as Paul says, to be, unlike what we understand God to be, a mortal man. And beyond that, a servant man, taking the path of death to a cross. It's God's wisdom, this is. It is hard for us to have a mindset like that, to have a godly mindset, a sacrificial mindset. It's hard. And so he came. In that walk to death, celebrated, welcome, notwithstanding, as big a deal as that was, God's son takes all on himself the wrath of God that we deserve, that you deserve, That all of those people that were with him deserved all of the God's wrath. All of that was due against sin. All death that was due against all people. All condemnation that anyone should expect to have from their God. He took it all on himself, even for you. Even if you can't easily find his mind, easily find his service, even as difficult as that is in his service. In his service, that death has become your salvation. In that humility, and in his submission to the will of his father to go and do what the mind of God is to do, he is to be honored by all. The the end of these verses talks about as much a parade, a greater one than that, a heavenly one. And everyone... It says in heaven and on earth and in the underworld, if you will, everyone, whether they like it or not, is going to honor him by name. See that he is God. Call him Lord. Even his enemies. All of this before God because it's the truth. And and honestly, he's going to be treated in heaven as he approaches by all the people of God uh, even as you treat him now, you honor him now. You know who your salvation is. You know what he's done for you, and you honor him now. Just like that, greater than that, will be his, uh, his approach to heaven in the end. And, and uh, unless you miss it, he unexpectedly has honored you with his parade, with his own body, with his own separation from his father. He took all of the things that we, you, and all deserve, giving up life. He honors you like that. Verse five is difficult. Uh, as usual, there's uh, something wrong with the translation. I don't know how many millions of times I've said that to you, but it seems to be an issue. They tried to fix it a little bit because it seems difficult to understand. This uh, version of what you use says, have this mind among yourselves. Uh, that's pretty close to right, or at least, you know, it says among you. Uh, but it says, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say that because it isn't yours. <laughs> Is his. It, it just says, which is also in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ, of course, is in Christ Jesus. He wants you to have that same mind, which is so incredibly difficult. Impossible, really. To give your will, to give up your well-being, to serve, to sacrifice. And why is it so difficult? And why does it he want you to have that? Because you are his. Because you are in this world. Because as he has given himself to you, he would have you give yourself to others. It is Christ's mind to care for you. It is Christ's mind to care for everyone here, even including his enemies. Because he wants all to come to him as you have come, as he has come to you. That is his will. That is his desire. That is his mind for you. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.